Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Rules. Today, pleasure to have the head coach of Tomville Wrestling, one of my good friend coaches, John Sichon. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's hard to say friend when official, when you're an official, you know. Of course. Uh, it is, um, by the time this comes out, it's not going to be, a, it's going to be dated, but I'm actually going to referee a, a pretty good tournament tomorrow that John and his team are participating in, which is uh, for Tottenville in uh out-of-territory tournament where you really get to get the vibe of New York State other than the city. Obviously, we'll we'll start from the beginning, but as far as that, like, let's just touch on that. Like, how does that feel, like, when you bring your kids to a tournament like that? The whole point, like, we want to get challenged. Uh, like, going outside the city is, like, I want to use our tournaments to go outside the city, uh, saving, like, the tournaments that we host, meaning, like, Staten Island Duels, essentially, and Mayor's Cup for the tournaments I have inside the city. And then I try to take my varsity outside the city to see other state competition, uh, hopefully at Christian Points. I know we go up to Elmira in two weeks. We go up to Warwick the week after this um, to see a whole bunch of Section 9 schools. You know, we kind of like to head up that way just to get a little bit of different exposure because you don't want to wrestle the same guy over and over again. Yeah, and uh, as people have heard before on, on the previous episode of Michael Grippo about Townville's sort of culture with sports, there's a culture there that's embedded in New York City, specifically Staten Island, and, you know, where you just got to be – you you have you have a reputation no matter what sport it is it could be I don't even know if you have badminton but I made that joke it could be bad my wife used to be the coach it's my favorite t-shirt well there you fucking go uh, I like badminton t-shirts my favorite t-shirt by far ama- amazing say the shirt again what was it called ladies badminton t-shirt oh oh well maybe we'll get a picture of it we'll put it on the on the Instagram but um so my point is like Tomville's got a reputation so the importance so. Uh, just um, for the timeline, it doesn't matter, but uh, just released today before we got on, I released an episode of David Bloom, and we talk about David Bloom's the coach of uh, Mod Haven wow. Mavericks. Mod wow. Haven. Okay. And um, he, he brought his team up to Irvington County for a tournament. He happened to know the Irvington coach. And it was a dual me tournament, but they got to sneak in some exhibitions because they only had three dudes. But it was the point of bringing to your 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 wrestlers to some, to get different looks outside the city, and you know the importance of that. Like I said, you're a stall. Tomville's a stalwart high school in New York City, reputation that exceeds all sports. But you still have to maintain that, and uh, and and within wrestling too, you, you know you got to get ab- above your bridges, you know, literally and and, and figuratively to, to to expand to get more looks, and that and the importance of that. What? How do you express that to your kids? To be honest, like it, it's all I kind of ever knew, um, whether it be from like the starting in high school and moving on to, you know, when I first started like student teaching in college, I, I was at Petrides and I ended up getting a teaching job there and ended up uh, coaching there uh, with uh, Coach Ola. And me and him were both the assistants to Michael Blythe. And he is by far a very influential figure in my life. Um, in all the ways you would not expect. I remember like being so frustrated, like coming out of college, like just finishing four years and it was like gung-ho, like very, very into it. And I was like, pound, 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 pound. You're going to do what I did. And this man would, he'd preach love like 24-7. I remember we were in the city finals and he read them a children's book 
before the finals match. And I'm like, this guy's off his rocker. Mm-hmm. Like, he would be at the state tournament. He wrote a play called Self Phony Explain, Explain that book. Oh, I, I didn't listen to any of the book. I was too worried about the match. But he was focused on reading that book. I would say most of the practice was like an hour, an hour of running because he loved to run. Like, he would play like cardio football, like, yeah, uh, get that and, cardio up. And he would run with the kids. And if you met, if you did something wrong, if you weren't a good citizen, you would have to go on and run with Mr. Blythe. And he would just chew your ear off. And, and he'd make you run for like, an hour plus, like just with him. Cause I think he really is calling us to be a track coach, but I learned so much from him and nothing that I realized like in the moment more later in life, as I got to watch those kids, cause I, I was 22 and some of these kids were, you know, 18 years old at the time, you know? So I, you end up getting to know them and staying close with some of them and, and building connections with them. And then this seeing was some, at Petrides. this was at Petrides, Yeah. Um, you know, one of the kids was like Mike Vaccaro, who's now the head coach at New Dorm. You know, something like I'm pretty proud of. Uh, he, he was an assistant with me. Um, shout and, out to Mike, man. Good guy. You know, yeah, I didn't uh, know that he was uh, one of your like pupils. Yeah, he was one of my first, my first years coaching. Uh, and we had we had a tough team, a really good team, and and Coach David Ola, the one that you know brought into that. You know, we got to go outside the city. And we were, he, he, he's from Mansing Valley. He went to high school there. So we would go up to their tournament every year. Uh, it was a really cool experience. We got a, he got his the team, they hosted us. So like our kids would literally go home with one of their wrestlers. And we would go back to Coach Dave Ola's parents' house, Coach Ola's parents' house. And uh, it was just like a great experience. And from there, we went to um, Herkimer, New York, um, I can't remember the name of it, but there was like a 10 dual meet tournament, two day tournament. And it was a great experience. Um, what are these years? What are these well, years? Like the years? Oh, so I graduated college in 2006. So it would be like 06, 07, 08, 09. So and I was the same age. How old are you? You're 39? Yeah, 39. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. So like we start, I started going up with Coach Ola and the connections that he had. And then I started like, you know, you know, as you as you realize that the schools want to wrestle us, and they're very welcome to having anyone from uh, New York City at their tournaments. Uh, it's really hard sometimes. You know, teams get into routines, and it's hard to break those routines. To, pe- to people listening, that he by my us, he's sh- he transitioning by us. You mean Tottenville now, right? Well, Tottenville period. And at PSL, yeah, no, I'm saying, but you're you're going from how your your Patrice beginning to. Oh yeah, yeah. So so back to like the so the Patrice where I started. I was actually the head coach there for a year. Uh at Patrice at um right what before year? so six years, so it'd be like 2012, 2013, I believe. Uh if it wasn't that, it was the year before that. Mr. Blythe's retired. Uh Coach Ola was the head football coach. Well, actually, before I, we get into the um the, the beginning, um, because we explain how you get to the tournament that the tournament tomorrow, which which should be interesting. Uh, let's let's because we we'll get there um to Petrides and your coaching. But how did you start in um your athletic endeavors as a as a youth and uh, as a child to getting into wrestling specifically? Okay, uh, it, it kind of started with football. Uh, we I moved up from Brooklyn in seventh grade, and what uh, part of Brooklyn? Uh, Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, mm-hmm. uh, as well too. Deep. Uh, and then Christy McAuliffe was, I would have gone to McKinley, but they opened Christy McAuliffe that year. So I was like one of the first uh, classes there. 
I was only there for sixth grade, and then wow. my parents bought a house in Saugerties, upstate New York, uh, and it felt like I was on vacation like every day. Started playing football, and I was actually a really good football player. Miles a lot better football player probably than a wrestler. Uh, at least that's what colleges thought because I got a lot more looks uh, to play football in college than I did. Interesting. To, what position? I was nose guard. Um, pretty short and stocky. Still am. Um, <laughs> Seems like so, a position. Uh, my football, I had the head J modified football coach, first coach I ever had. Like, uh, you'd run for a wall for this guy. You know, he told all the football players you're going to wrestle. So I had to wrestle. And so seventh grade, I wrestled and modified. Well, I didn't actually quit the team my seventh grade year. Uh, I made it through all the practices. And then the day of the match, like I had to wear the singlet. And I was embarrassed to wear the singlet as a fat, mm. short kid. I was, I was a big seventh grade. I was like 230, 240 pounds. Uh, well, just- let me interject with it because uh, David Bloom and I were talking about that. Um, you're just talking about the how, especially in New York City, the how I, I believe changes to the rules. Uh, it, it, not the rules specifically as far as the wrestling goes, the, the barriers of entry, you know, the pre match stuff, less facial, facial hair shit, the, the uniform, the single and stuff like that. That uh, had a that allows a lot of um, kids who not even just are overweight or just uh, or, or self conscious of their their body to participate in a way where they can feel more comfortable that it allows inner city kids who might have a bias to the sport in a way that you know for the times might make it look like effeminate or gay and the uniform of a singlet is you know you put yourself out there it's kind of yeah. it's very yeah. exposing so i, I really I believe that, that it, it could combine, help it could combine that way do you feel that's gay like no, explain? no, no. But I'm talking about I'm talking about perception. I'm not talking about. But that's I'm what not, I, my perception to a football player that comes and would say, you know, like wrestling's gay. No, no, no. Oh, 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 I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about the the chatter. I'm. I, I understand as a coach and as a as defender of wrestling, gay. Yeah. Like, well, it's the required uniform, and, and we all wear tights. And what 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 constitute gay? And where you've been in, a, you know what a football locker room is like. I'm just talking about the perception to people who can have something to to criticize wrestling for. You know, there's something if it's Where not a part of it, is that it doesn't it stops like the rules that and you know I think uh, Bigley was a big part of the rule changes uh, for the city, kind of ahead of the curve, and like he usually is pretty ahead of the curve, and uh, I give him credit for that. And and I beat think the sheets as a, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think he was a, a very big part of that. Uh, those changes. When like I, I think he's a very he's he's a good leader in the fact like he's always. But thinking, you know like, what I mean? Like imagine the like the uniforms that we have that kids have now, you could have had. I yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't quit that that that's, seventh grade year. That, that's what and I'm saying. Going back out eighth grade year. But that's what I'm fucking saying, man. Like you would have felt you know you would have the pirate uniform or you didn't go to Townville. But, um, yeah, so I was sorry. We were Sawyer's. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you know, we'd had the uniform. It would have been, it, it would have provided something that I think. Like I said, the barrier of entry it has nothing to do with the actual competition. Those rule changes we can criticize one way or another, but barriers of entry, facial hair. What what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right? Like seriously, what, is hair on any orifice of the body really going to determine who's better or not? Like, look at, yeah, look at the, like, just, let's just fucking go. Like, yeah, 
make short to no pockets. And and what I was talking about, David Bloom. Now, what David Bloom is what's funny is you see kids now under who never got into wrestling. They look up to wrestlers. They look up to Olympians like Dave, uh, Gable Stevenson, and they see none of these guys are wearing shorts and crash and crash shirt. They're wearing singlets, so they want to wear that too. It, it, and it starts self correcting now. Yeah, kids want to wear the singlets. So you, I, I tell, like we have an alternate set of uniforms. You never see any of us wear it because none of the kids want to wear it. Yeah, man, you want to go out there with your singlet, especially in championship yeah, form. You're wearing your, your 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 tournament singlet, and then you go out there with your 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 like your dress blues, basically for like a military term. Yeah, yeah, no, because when you're sitting there at a tournament, and everyone else is wearing a singlet, and you're the one not. Who are they all looking at? It's the weird one, right? And uh, but that that needed to happen for for. Teams like Tonville always had the culture. Uh, Truman had to maintain it, you know. But for the girls aspect too, that that helps. But teams like Eagle Academy or just inner city teams in general, that that needed to happen because you always have those. And and David Bloom was talking about it. You have these these naysayers who are just gonna like shit on wrestling whenever they can because. We're in New York City. It's not something that is is big. I mean, David Ola went to Minnesink Valley, which is upstate New York, and but upstate New York, even in Minnesink Valley, which is far, but not far in that it's like Syracuse or anything like. But you know what I'm saying? It's far in the culture of wrestling, uh, and even New Jersey, you got Blair's cat. Uh, you or I'm in Bergen County. You got Bergen Catholic and, and Don Bosco. Like there's a culture. But now New York City's developed it more, especially with the help of Beat the Streets, where kids can actually wrestle before they get to high school. Yeah, which is massive. I mean, that, that's the key to building programs too. Massive. It's starting a youth program. So um, let's go back. Let's fast. Let's go back to seventh grade. You quit because you know the uniform sucked. Yeah. Then uh, you know, like I, well, I had to make it through all the practices because then you weren't tough enough. So I made it through all the practices, and I quit right before the match came. The like, supposed the easy part. Like you know, like I made it through the hard part because I didn't want to. Say, oh, you quit because you couldn't handle it. Um, but then I went back my eighth grade year, um, you know, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. Like, kind of motivated me. It was like, we, I had, I didn't start varsity until I was uh, a junior. Uh, I had really good heavyweight section runner up two years in a row, my freshman and sophomore year. He was also a glass cuff for the Buffalo Bills as an offensive lineman, uh, three time All American uh offensive tackle at university of albany uh garrett gubbinson was his name um he was started ahead of me uh so i really only had like the experience by junior and senior year and you know i i wanted to be good i think what motivated me too was like being behind someone for those years and not having that opportunity to start like some of those little guys they, they got 100 wins um that wasn't really in the cards for me being a two-year starter getting a hundred wins. Cause it used to be a big thing. Um, you know, cause it still is, of, still is. I, I would say a little less just cause like the number of matches, opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would feel like, um, you go you to still State might get a banner up there, you know? Yeah, no, we have, we have a plaque, uh, that we have at Tottenville for a hundred wins. Um, but you know, we have kids that, kids that have an opportunity to get like pretty much our starters get about 50 matches a year, you know, which now with these new weight cutting, with the weight rules and the certification, the certification has always been the same, but the descent plans and um, managing that, I question whether 50 matches a year is too many. I, I think it is to where I'm cutting back and trying to limit the number of weigh-ins just for the wear and tear on 
on the person because I I'd be able to wrestle the match years past as a head coach and you know you guys don't have to make weight on Wednesday you know you just watch your weight start getting it down and we'll bump you up a weight class everyone bumped up now we can't do that with this descent plan uh, because they have to if they weigh in it resets the descent plan and they want to qualify on Saturdays so it really changes uh, the game a little bit for us but um, we'll get into that and I want I don't want to delve into because uh, Dave and I didn't get to actually talk about like the, the get into the rule changes and I want to get into that with you um, okay. but let's fast forward a little more to just how you went from after so to, to coach and you went to Petrides yeah so I went to Sargis I went to Sargis uh, from Sargis uh, I ended up wrestling at uh, in a club in Kingston uh, for a guy Phil Brown coach Phil Brown he would take me all over for freestyle Greco uh, ended up beating the Federation State Champ uh, at the Empire State Games what year uh, that would have been 2001, the summer of 2001. And so you were a junior? Going into my senior year, and he was he won it as a junior. Yeah. That kind of got me like a little bit noticed. Like I think I, I was ranked like fifth in the state at one point. Damn, we must have crossed paths, man, because I wrestled for Lehman, and we had a, a duel with you at one point. But, you know, we were the team that uh, had decent kids, but we, we would lose based on forfeits. Uh, at okay. least for you know my junior year, my senior year, we got a little more bodies, but the bodies that we got were all new. There was no beat the streets. Yeah, and, we were pretty uh, tough. We were pretty tough. Uh, my senior yeah. year, we both beat Medicine Valley, who was ranked like eleventh in the state. They didn't count my match because they didn't used to count heavyweight. But when I went to high school in Lehman, uh, Tomville was the the force, and uh, I know you you went up to you know, you wrestled upstate, and I'm sure it was a uh, it was dice here, but we had the force of of Truman. Did you ever like come through the force of Truman, and like uh, no. so so you go you go from yeah honestly like but we were we we saw if we got a PSAL kid, it was a, it was like a pretty much like a bye at the state tournament. Seriously, even if they were Truman at that point, absolutely yeah. That's I mean, a different story, right? Uh, even if you look at it, like even the Truman kids, like no one was a state champ. Yeah, how many That's... places did they actually have? Yeah, no, there was a. I guess they were. Um... The tallest midget, as they say. You know, same thing with Tottenville. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we had one kid that took third, you know, and we had uh, Woodford who took, uh, I think, fourth or fifth. Um, but, like, uh, uh, Santo took, I think, fourth. Well, you even know, at the time, would, would, would uh, like, would there be the, – the, the Ivy Leagues would compete, Poly Prep and – Well, they weren't there. They weren't invited. Is it still that way? No, now they are. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, yeah. It was, it was changed. Yeah, now oh, they. Oh, oh. Ivy leagues go to Ivy leagues go to uh, prep nationals. They don't go so to the state tournament. The independents do. Um, they're the ones that are not part of like the Ivy, which is the prep nationals. They don't go to the state tournament. No, Polly does not go to the state tournament. That sucks. I think we actually had this. Uh, yeah, Polly uh, Carl's Poly goes to prep nationals, but like um, Horace Man, they go to the state tournament because they don't. They don't go to prep nationals. Got it. I don't know what distinguishes one from the other private. Yeah. They should just have it all. Like, you know. And the same thing was with the Catholics. The Catholics was really weak back then, too. Um, and all that's changed now. Well, um, especially, it, you know, Staten Island. Tomville. Section was, 9 was not, 11 was when, when I was in high school. It was the, the, it was the section. Like, we had a great, I think it was like 2000, Section 9. I thought I had, like, an amazing team. And... They lost to like section eleven in the semifinals, like every single section match. Section nine is Ulster and Orange County. Okay, 
It's like Monroe Woodbury Valley Central. And Section right? 11 is what? That's uh, Suffolk out on Long Island. It's yeah, yeah, be, Long Island, like uh, West Side Slope and stuff like that. It's going to be like uh, Long, uh, Longwood, Brentwood, Hop Hog, you know, Huntington. Northport is where we're going to see this weekend. Yeah, let's go. So let's fast forward to Tomville. You get to Tomville. Who did you replace in Tomville? I, I don't remember. Uh, Kevin Justison. His son's on my team now. Huh, how about that? That's awesome. One of our better wrestlers. Excellent. What's he? What's his weight? Well, he's wrestling 170 tomorrow, but we'll see where he goes for the end of the season. He took second last year at 170. Second where? Estates? No, in uh, the public, in the PSAL. Oh, oh, great, great. This year. He might go to 60, he might stay at 70. Kind of depends on the Madison kid where he goes. And He lost to him in the finals last year, but he was a 45-pounder. He hurt his knee. Uh, shout, to, a, shout to Steve Santamaro. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, he's got some great guys. So he's at, yeah, you know, well, he's got a hotbed. They have a freshman there, uh, kid Max. Let me tell you, like, one of the kids that transferred into the school, uh, he beat him at the Jay Alvarez tournament. But let me tell you, this kid was so respectful as a freshman. Like, he, he lost the match. And, and I, I even told my team, like, I was just like, you know, usually, like, he's like, thank you for the opportunity. Nice. You know, like I just like I was like that's that kid's a class act, and like I think he's gonna do a, a lot of really good things. He was the only one on Madison to actually win the Long Beach tournament on Long Island. So they had three returning state qualifiers, two placers, and the freshman was the only one to actually win the Long Beach um, tournament. Was he was he in part of that Russian team, right? Uh, yeah, he was a, he was a he was in the middle school state champ. But yeah, yeah, yeah. because I could referee out in Long Beach all those tournaments. Those are great tournaments, yeah. and, and just he's just a class act. So like. Yeah, I thought that's cool. Found him like to be a really, really good kid. Yeah. I'll talk to my whenever I get to see see Steve uh, have him on the podcast. Um, but so, what year did you take over for Townville? Uh, ten years ago now. So ten uh, years ago, great! Wow, happy ten year anniversary, man. Yeah, uh, this is this is my tenth year being there. So it's been uh it's been interesting. You know, we started with like I, I was so upset my first year. Like they they were wrestling in Mass Square Garden and we weren't invited. But I'm like, we're going to be good. Like, we're, we deserve to be there. They took, like, the top 10 teams in the PSAL, and they, we weren't in the top 10. When was this? This was For in what? Two, uh, 2013. Mass Square Garden. Oh, yeah, tournament. you had to grab the garden? Yeah, they had a dual meet tournament, and we weren't invited. It was my first wow. year. Wow. We ended up losing to Brooklyn Tech in the semis. I'm taking third that year in the city. And they took the top 10 PSAL schools, and they wouldn't take us. And, I was like, and it was postseason. So it was, like, after season. No, it was preseason. Okay, okay, okay. Just before but, we did anything, got it. So I get it. Saying, yeah, yeah, you get it. But the, but then you you yeah, uh, but then exceeded, you, I'm telling you, the, I'm telling you, we're gonna be good. Like we're gonna be good. Like yeah, you know, when I say good, like we're gonna be good for the PSAL. Like, but sometimes you know, you know Tomville can always have the fucking way, man. You know, I'm joking. Well, you know, the, the funny part is, it's like you know, like we haven't finished. We look worst we've ever done is the semifinals, and no, that was I it. Know. I, 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 I wonder was, why. Well, I wonder what the metrics were for choosing that back then. I was actually. No, no, it was based on last year's. Uh, yeah, no, I. Oh, so you were mathematically eliminated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't because, hey, I'm telling you, we're going to be good. We had, and we ended up taking third. We ended up placing third at Mayor's Cup, too, overall. You know, like, and it was only city schools that were in that duel. That was your first year. That was my first year. It was, oh. it was, it was great. But, and like, you know, the frustrating part to me was like, I know how to build a program. I know. I know how to do those things. And like, we were good at Petrini's. Like, we're going to be good here too. There's, 
10 times more kids now. Yeah. Like it, it was like, you don't have to recruit. You Patrice even- was always good though. You remember, uh, well, you didn't go to the city high school, but when I was in the city, Patrice, that what, 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 I forgot what year they were founded, but it was right. Around, it was when I was going to high school around 2001, 2002. And they yeah, became I like a force was, in all sports. It was, it was right before, uh, right before I got there. Like, uh, I know when we got there, we won the city every year. Yeah, no, they yeah, they came out of the gate pretty hot, man. Well, I think they took their lumps. I remember like Mr. Blight talking about Tottenville beating them. Like Tottenville was the arch enemy in Patrice's, you know, it was David versus. But Goliath. still, for a new school, they're like the Eagle Academy of their day. Okay, you know what I'm no, saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Remember the, one of the big things that and probably doesn't get enough credit for it was, uh, you know, the number of programs back then in the city was only like eighteen. Oh, you know, I, I know. I know. Larry Cantor and beat the streets. They, they started like seventy other programs. Like some Shout of Larry Cantor and beat the streets. And oh, I was going to ask you too, how did you from when you your, your start getting like imbued with beat the streets to help develop? I imagine that that helps you, or did it? Because I know Tom was a tiny community in Staten Island in general, but David so Bloom it, it, he needed beat the streets to help develop the program, and then Tommy Holiday too to develop the program, Mount Haven. I've watched so many different the administration change over so many times that beat the streets. Cause I, I mean, it's been 18 years now that I've been involved in beat the streets. I, they were, they were paying me once as the middle school coach at Petrides. And I remember having the middle school state tournament at Petrides and us, Farrell, Roosevelt Island, a whole bunch of other schools there 18 years ago. And, you know, I, I think that really paved the foundation like for what the city was built on, like where we progress, would set us back tremendously. But, you know, I think we're starting to trend back in the right direction, you know, but like beat the streets in general, like what they did for me, I feel like was phenomenal. They provided so many like opportunities, like to see uh, high level events, the coaching seminars. I mean, they used to have a camp at Lake Placid at the Olympic training center as coaches, like just like even coaches development, uh, where we were like, we they took us away for a week. Me, I remember was, Teddy was there. Um, the whole Madison coach was there. We went to Lake Placid for a week, and we learned from like some phenomenal coaches. Like, Shout out to Teddy from Truman. And it was just like a great experience um, between that and all like the galas and being able to see like the high-level wrestling. I remember them providing tickets for us while we were at Philadelphia, even when I was in Madison Square Garden. Sponsoring um, Grapple at the Garden. Like, yeah, exactly. come on, man. That's insane. That's, that's, me off that's insane. There. Like, and it was like we should have been there, but but the point, yeah. But the point of it is, is like building the sport, just building the sport oh, too in New York City, man. They, they they are like, and they're promoting so so many things, like, and and it's great, like, yeah, the foundation that it's laid and the opportunities that our kids have over other kids, it, it's tremendous. Like, and, and then yeah. and so I, I wish our kids would appreciate it more. Um, and, and see the benefits of it because like, well, I mean, other, you talked about it before. Sections, other sections don't have those opportunities. Sure, yeah, I I understand that on a sort of a a parental level where you're like, yeah, I don't appreciate it till it's gone. But you said you set it up for them, right? You set them up for success. So of course they're just gonna fucking run away. You want them to do it. You don't want them to stop. You know, and, us at Tottenville, like we don't utilize it too much because it's because of our location. We try to be self-sufficient, I guess, on Staten Island. Yeah, you know? maybe I guess you mean specifically Tottenville. Because I would uh, say the, the rest of the city, that, like uh, Eagle Academy, they appreciate the fucking funnel that Beat the Streets is to them. 
they're yeah, worthless if, without anything, it. Anything you can say to beat the streets makes my life harder. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. And for people listening, what John means by that is yeah, wrestling is not an inner city sport. It's not an inner city sport. And Tonville, as we, we said before, as 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 I've had Michael Grippo, shout out to the 2023 baseball champion Tonville. You know, there's a culture there on all levels. We talk about badminton. They have a fucking theme song and a shirt. Or he's just a shirt he was talking about. I've been there. I've been there. There's culture. There's no sport that is not supported. There's a school spirit there. So to build it where wrestling is hard and Beat the Streets has done that and made his life harder because now you got inner city kids who can get into the sport before they are freshmen. And they've heard of wrestling before they stepped into high school. Like a lot of kids when I when I went to high school, when you went to high school, but you went upstate in the, in New York City, the first time they heard of wrestling was in high school. And you were lucky to maybe get an athlete from wrestling, oh, for, sorry, from football or track who would migrate over to do something else in their free time. But other than that, it was, uh, you didn't get schools like Eagle Academy. And I'm going to have the two Johns, shout out to John McGeary and John Corey, to talk about that. John Corey's story. living up now in Monroe Woodbury in Section 9. Yeah. I mean, it's a product of Long Beach, you know, like, and just like uh, David Ola's product, Menacing Valley, there's your people bring into the city. Like, where was that when we were in high school? You know, well, I, when I was in high school in the city, there was none of that. There was well, none of that. Those people who well, you have to realize, like, what we're doing right now is it was never there. The way people communicate, like the technology we had. I, I remember I, I used to drive down to Nanuet and he's now the head coach of uh, Clarkstown uh, North. Yeah. North Shout out to Tony. You know, he, he was a heavyweight. He was an All-American D3. Oh, uh, the assistant coach. No, no, no. So it must be the other. He's a big. He's a big guy. He's he's like always at the state tournament. I think his son graduated like two or three years ago. But like, I needed a workout partner at two eighty five, and he would he would go and he'd roll with me when he was and then he went and I would drive from Sargis, like hundred miles down to like he'd drive eighty miles straight on the throughway, uh, just to get a workout in with him, you know, in the off season. And he would always will open his door, like. But we don't now they can watch flow wrestling like i mean the amount of like wrestling on the man in the background like that was never on even if that shit was around now they would not watch it if it wasn't something that was developed as something that you wanted to like i said with the singlets it became part of it where people once you're in it you understand how amazing wrestling is and wrestling was a hard sell to these kids it just was something that New York City needs to figure out how to sell and how to build a culture around where where kids don't look at it as like, oh, you're gay for wearing this sort of outfit or, you know, and and rolling around with it because. Well, I think the point that you made earlier, the fact that like, where were these coaches when I was there? And my, my thing is like, I feel like a lot of these kids are learning from the internet are learning from the, the television um, and really like the, the videos. I know myself, I, I'm constantly learning. I'm, I'm Googling. You know, an underhook series. I'm Googling front headlock defense. I'm Googling these things and I'm seeing what videos are out there. And I'm getting hundreds of videos of different perspectives and different styles. And then I'm taking little pieces from each and trying to make them my own. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the market. It never market. happened to us. We never had that. I, the only time I got someone that knew how to wrestle was essentially I had to go to my next town over. Yeah. And it was another wrestler. Teaching, and, not a coach. No, no, it was a head coach. It was an assistant coach, actually, who okay. was an alternate. Uh, Phil Brown was uh, kind of guy like 
new wrestling in my area. Uh, very underrated. Like he was Olympic alternate, badass man, like really badass. Um, I watched him like he would go to Empire State Games, which was a really cool thing that I wish they still had. And he won it every year. He took gold, and he was beating like Division One All Americans, like multiple time Division Three national champions. I remember watching him like tech Terry Madden, who ended up being a two time, I believe, um, D three national champ at Hunter. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. Like he was like kind of like my idol. Uh, then I would go down to Nanuet to wrestle with the Nanuet coach, the former Nanuet coach. Now he's at Clarkstown North or South. Big guy. He was also a D three All American. You talking about Brendan Rogers? I believe so, yes. Yeah, Brendan Rogers. I was just uh, at Clarkstown um, South. Yeah, Clarkstown South. Shout out to Brendan Rogers. So, yeah. Yeah, he um, would have me. He would whip my butt in high school. I ended up going to uh, state, state qualifier. I won states in Greco my senior year. And uh, won He must have been older than you in high school, right? Oh, he's way older. He was coaching. I would God, go down. Oh, there. God, you're talking about coaching. He, missed, he whipped your butt. He was, no, he was coaching, and I was a kid. Yeah, and, yeah. I would I would drive down eighty miles to go find a partner that was two hundred and eighty pounds and that could beat me up and he would do he would do just that. So to talk about the story. I wrestled Carlos Domo too. Oh, we uh, we'll we'll get to that. But um, recent event at Clarkstown South. Shout out to Brendan Rogers versus Nanny Wet head coach Sean Coughlin, great coach. It was a back and forth duel, and I was talking to you um before we we start hit record. The match was determined on an unsportsmanlike conduct that I had to call because they're, I want to say 124 after his match. He got pinned. He got pinned in a way where I was ta- I was communicating with the um, Nanny Wet kid because, listen, if you're about to pin your guy and your hand or a certain it's positioning is blocking you, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say you don't have it yet. And... It was in a way where the kid can see. He had like the the a back. I mean, he was he, this kid was done. He had him wrapped up, both hands turned around. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it a trapezoid? Oh uh, yes. It, oh, the pinning area is a trapezoid. Perfect that you said that because I had to bring that up the other day. It's great that yeah. Um, so I want to bring vis- up something that you're, you where you told me earlier. Finish the story because it was a good story. People uh, um, visualizing your the, the pinning area doesn't mean that you're. Your shoulders necessarily have to be down. It's very rare situations, maybe like a cradle where somebody's being pinned and you can see sort of like the the tips of their shoulders out, but their pinning areas, they're still being pinned. But we'll go back to my uh, my story. The kid got pinned. I raise uh, the Nanny Wet kid's hand and the Clarkstown kid goes, you're fucking blind. Something yeah. to that effect. He cursed and he called me blind. And, and I was like, what? And as I was telling you, at first my reaction, because I'm very calm. I don't get no histrionics. I'm not going to match anybody's energy. I would never match anybody's energy. That's like number one rule that I have that goes beyond the rules. You're not going to find it in the rule book. But if somebody being an asshole. If you, if, you raise, if you break and you explode, you lost. Yeah, especially to a fucking teenager. God damn it. Like, well, that, 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 that's where like that's what makes you a different level of an official. Because I've had the same thing happen. I'll let you finish the story because it's a really cool ending. And I have to tell you two things that you're really going to like. Oh, cool. So he cursed me out, told me I was blind. And I gave him the chance to say it again. And he said it twice. I was going to assess the points anyway. And so when you commit a foul after the match to people listening, it's a, it's a team point. And for people who just listen to baseball and they're really not uh, abreast of the scoring of wrestling, you have your individual score in a match. And then you have your team score. 
and the team score is assessed in many ways depending how the individual match went. If you get a pin, it's one it's a certain amount of points. If you win by a certain amount of points, it's more long-winded. But Nanny White gained the point because of this kid's infraction of cursing me out. And it impacted the score in, a, in such a manner that it was 34-33 final score in Nanny White. And I can't remember a time in my career where I had to... There's not many unsportsmanlike comics that I had to hit in general, but one that was so consequential to the final score. And, of course, you can say one thing, you know, zig when he should have zagged, whatever. But this kid cost his team. He he legitimately cost his team the, the, the duel. I mean, we don't know what it would happen if it was a tie. There's measures to assess how you figure out a tie. They could have given it. But regardless, it didn't have to get there because this kid cursed me out. So and uh, so go to a story that you were about to say. So now you just brought up another story uh, as well. But all right. So for the first one was one that was like, it came down to the final match. I was the head coach at Petrides and we were at Eagle Academy. Carlos Domo was the official. It came down to the last match. I'm not sure. I, I think we were down by maybe three or four. Uh, what year was like this? That. This had to be 12 years ago now, 12 or 13 years ago. Uh, I think like Nate Rose was like a freshman at the time, but I've never seen it happen before. And and McGarry had no problem with it either. We won the match because the kid got the kid got disqualified on stalls in the final match. Oh, <laughs> I've heard of like, this. I, I've heard of this directly. And, you know, and, and you know, I think it takes a lot for a ref to to disqualify a kid on stalling. But even, even John's like, you're not doing anything. And he, he's like, he actually he completely agreed with the call, you know, like um, you, you don't want to win that way, you know, but you also don't want to lose when a kid's not giving you the opportunity to win a match. Uh, one of the times that, to, to build upon what you said, like never go back at a kid or a coach. I had a coach. I remember one of my first years and I was young, younger, a little more hot-headed and like I was like writing, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? For a stall call. My guy was like, we're for a stall call. And my guy was like working. Then then the third period, like my kid was wrestling up a weight class. I remember the kid's name is Chris Durazo, who's actually a teacher right now at Curtis, a phys ed teacher. Uh it was at Mayor's Cup. It was like in like the quarters or something. We bumped him up, you know, because we had no chance to win at 215. I think Sisty was there at 215 that year, something like that. Like it was like the ref came back at me and this was like, probably like one of like, I was so upset about this. Like the ref came back at me, like, what's he doing now in the third period? What's your guy doing? Now? When the other guy started wearing on him, you can name the ref who was the ref. Oh, I have no clue. Like it was oh, okay. a guy that's not, not around anymore. Um, it, it wasn't like anything like that. Like it was like, he, he came back at me. He made it personal, mm -hmm. you know, like that, 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 that I felt like was not, not cool at all like that he made it personal like, like I, I was saying that he's like what's he doing now what's he doing now like and he was like he was more bantering with me than he was worrying about the freaking match and the fact that he came back at me i remember bobby antonito i believe was the head official there and yeah the first thing i did after that was i went over and shout bobby went over and told him it was him or tom but i think it was bobby still of it i i know they were not happy i was just like i was just like i was like this is fucked up like to be honest, like you, now you're freaking going at me and you're not even watching the match. 
And like we're talking like this is a heavyweight match where the scores are like three two. Like a stall call matters. And now it's like you're purposely not giving a call, you know, because your ego was hurt. And yeah, you know, one thing you gotta know about me, like I don't I don't care. I care a lot, to be honest. Like, but I want the kid that deserves to win to win. Well, it could be my kid or not my kid. It doesn't matter who that, it is. You explained yourself. You define the coach right there. That's one thing you need to know about me is I'm a coach. And you just explained what a coach is. And uh, one of the things that you know about me without my having kid didn't to earn it, I don't want him to have the win. No, no, of course. I'm not talking about, yeah, there's the game and then there's, there's the rules and then there's the spirit. And they both go hand in hand. And they're one without the other doesn't, you're not going to get fairness without a balance of both spirit and rules. They have to maintain each other. And one of the things that I espouse as a referee, not only is number one, number one, you're not going to influence me to be something I'm not. And I'm not an asshole. So you're not going to make me one. Even if you are, you're just not going to, you're going to fail. And, and I'm not even saying if that's your duty to, because there, there are a lot of coaches who want to make you some. They want to bring you to their game, and they want to. We can talk off the air about those names. I'm not gonna name, them, but I'm not falling into their trap because it's easy for me. I'm not that type of person. I'm not that type of person. So like I, can said, bring, I can bring my personality to that part, and I get that some can't. But those people who are assholes and they're willing to engage in that way, they need to be exercised out or they need to be told that this is not how we roll as referees because we're part of the game. We are a part of the game. So I remember I remember two things. Like one was an eagle with you, and there was a bad call made on the out-of-bounds line, and we were, we were losing the dual meet. This was last year, I think, or two years ago? Two years ago. Maybe last now. year. Last year. It was last year. And I come over all mad, and you're like... Yeah, for people who can't see, he's pounding his chest because... What I said to him before we even walked to the table was it was my bad, meaning it has nothing to do with what you saw perceptively. You saw what you saw. And I was and like, and I'm going <laughs> to explain, explain to you. Of course, but I have a proper explanation. And the explanation was, I, was awarded the, I, I, I ruled them out of bounds before I awarded the points. And the mechanics for that is to award points. You always give points first, even if, and I tell young officials, you put the points up first and then you make the symbol for reversal. You put the points up and then you make the symbol for escape. You put the points up and then you make the symbol for out of bounds. You put the points up because the points are paramount and and that explains what happens in the sequence of events that happen. And it was a lapse of my human error. Yeah, yeah. And, and I explained it to him. I was like, I were I I, I come back to my and corner I and I was like, I was like, I can't he, he made a mistake. <laughs> it was like he said it. I, like it's human error. It's nothing. And then that's another thing too. I know you're a wrestler, uh, and by nature, sometimes and, a coach wants to be a dick. And uh, yeah, no, I can. Ola and I know Ola and I purposely did this. Like, like I remember it was us versus Curtis. It had to be 2008 or mm. 2009, where one of us was getting kicked out on purpose, like just to try to fire the team up. Like, we, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ola, Ola sat me down. I was like. I'm going because we had three coaches that were PSL coaches at Patrice that were all certified. So one of us could kicked out. <laughs> that, that was the best part. All I ended up getting kicked out. He's like, I got this one. And, and the officials need to understand in. that too. Listen, no, there, I'm there's... Out. he went to the table to get kicked out. Yeah. And officials like, like that kid who just cursed me out. It's like, what you think he 
taking it personal is is really like think about what that means to take something personal. Did this guy know who I was? He don't even know my name. He has no idea who the fuck I am. He said what he said, and I'm going to treat that infraction. I'm going to compartmentalize it, and I have the ability to just be like, oh, here's what you did. Boom. And guess what? It cost his fucking team. It had nothing to do with me. I explained it to the coach. They heard it. And even after the, even after the event, the coach, when I said my goodbyes, they were like, hey, you're fucking blind. Just a joke with me. A lot of um, officiating... And I know you deal with only really referees from wrestling, but I umpire. Shout out to Mike Grippo, number one, number one listen on this podcast, which off air, Mr. John Shishon no. wants to challenge. I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell we. We're going to challenge. We. We're going to challenge that. We're going to challenge those numbers. Over 200 listens. Boom. But anyway, one of the things that I, I explained to him and I offer just all, of it, all coaches, man, I'm part of the game. I'm a part of the match. I have no bias. I don't care who you are. Honestly, the honestly, the more that I talk to to you personally, sure that influences my care for you as your for your the macro of your success. But the micro of you being a coach of Townville, that match doesn't matter. I want you to fucking be successful because you're cool and we've talked. But in the macro, I want that all I have to do and all I care about is that match going down fairly. I have no I'm colorblind out there. It's against something that they didn't earn. And that's one of the biggest things that I, I preach that like, if you didn't earn it, I'm not going to fight for you. No way. Like I want the kid that earned it to win. That, that should be the number one priority. And I think those are the qualities you have to instill in the kid. Like if you deserve to win it. Now what I can't stand is when they deserve to win it. And there was a rule that wasn't put into place the right way or a call that was wrong. And one of the biggest things that I think the hardest problem is, um, and, and I saw it, at Staten Island duels on the second day was like there were two officials and they'll name nameless, but like why are there two officials and the other one didn't do anything? Like the other one should be going up and, and talking with the guy. Like when it when it's when it's close or controversial, it should be like that head refs should be going to that second guy and be like, hey, we, this is what I thought, but obviously there's an issue because there's two coaches flipping out in the corners. Like maybe we should talk about this one. John, I'll, you, peel the, I'll peel the curtain back. I'll peel the curtain back. In our in in our referee meetings, I hate the fact that like bringing bringing a referee to the table by book you you bring us to the table once, that's it. You bring us to the table again, we're supposed to book you. That I don't agree with that. It's like you bring me to the table like you did. That's not in the rule book, is it though? Yeah, if I'm asking a question. Yes, but it, it's okay. Sorry, let me be more granular. It, if you're asking me a question about the rules versus judgment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's where like a lot of these coaches don't. Understand. But no, but 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 before that, what, what happened on the line? That coach, that 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 call was a judgment call. You wanted clarification on a judgment call, to to be fair, and yeah. I was willing to offer you that because you were just you were not asking in a personal way, like, "Hey, you fucking idiot, what did you see?" You were like, "Hey, what did you see?" There's a difference. There's yes. a difference. And 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 but if you brought me to the table again, I'm supposed to book you no matter what for any other call because what I mean is I should actually give you a warning because you came to me for the judgment call. I just said, "Hey, you question me? Okay, you, you gave well, me a question I, and I gave you a criteria? warning." I I probably asked you what criteria was met. Yeah, no, no. Maybe you I'm sure you put it in a rule sense. Yeah, yeah. And, so yeah. I, I ask for that often. Uh, I but, well, but my point is, regardless, there there should be regardless. Of, and I know you you 
you know the rules and you know how to ask in a way where you're careful. You're and and I respect that too. I respect that because you're knowledgeable in the rules. You're asking it's in a hard way. Part, so like it's, it's 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 hard to do because like I'm not sure. Like you're saying that was a judgment call. I might really have not believe that it was a judgment call, and I thought you were because it doesn't show me when you blow a whistle why you blew the whistle. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, yeah. Judgment call. I I'm thinking it's because you did this. But my point this is, but happened. my point is, how much does the referee know to in that moment? How much does the referee know to judge that on a judgment call or a technicality call? It's hype. It's it was playoff situation. Everybody's high level. You come into the table. You. As even in your best, most respectful, you come into the table with some sort of energy, and you know what I'm saying. So for me, it's like I have I to, to bite your head off, and then you gave me freaking perfect. But, no, but, but you were you weren't trying to bite my head off. You were, I wanted to bite someone's head off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> angry. And, <laughs> and, and but but that's the point. Not that's at you, point. not the call. I was angry at the whole match. But that's and- the thing. I'm part of the game. I am part of the game. And it's up to me to walk you off that ledge because I need first and I need and other I officials to hear this. I need you. I need you to be okay. I the thing came is back I'm, so happy. Yeah. I was like, fucking but, that's but, never happened but, to me before. But it's valuable to me, bro. it's value to me, valuable to me that both coaches are fucking happy. And they're content whether they disagree. I need, I need you, and I'm gonna do the, and I'm going to make it the best of my abilities to make you content. And if that goes beyond the rules, where it's like if you take, if you take me to the table for a judgment for technic for technically a judgment call where I should have warned you, I'm not gonna do that because if you come with the energy, it's like, oh, I just need an explanation. I just really need a quick explanation. I'm gonna bring you to the table because I don't yell, and I want, I want you to hear me. I'm not gonna. You own, you're the first official that I've ever had that's owned a call. Like it's my bad. Like do you know what I mean? Like it, it was well, like there's two things I always tell officials, right? Inadvertent whistle. You're like inadvertent whistle. I was like, shit. Yeah, yeah. Dude. <laughs> well, well, I tell officials all the time. First of all, all these athletes out there, how many times have you seen them make mistakes? I, I I umpire baseball. We see them make mistakes all the time. You think they, you think they anticipate? Us to be perfect? No, we're not going to be perfect. We just have to be competent, number one. Number two, you have to explain yourself. You have to figure out how to explain yourself. And when you do that and you're honest about it, only bad coaches, only asshole coaches, only bad people are going to hold you to it. And hold a grudge against it. Like, Rather, it, and, and that's what I'm saying. Hold a grudge against it. Maybe hold me to it that I gave. So I, tell, and- I tell the kids at the beginning of every season, like, I'm not perfect. I try to do the right thing all the time. You know, I, I said the word try because I, I, you know, no one's perfect. No one does the right thing. No one is perfect. No one is always perfect, you know, but I try to, you know, and all I can ask is that you guys try as well. Yeah. Those right things. Like, and I'm not talking as officials. I'm talking to my kids, you know, like I say, I might, I might do something that pisses you off one day. You got to talk to me about it because my intention here is not to piss you off or not, not, not my intention here is for you. I'm here for you guys, not for myself. Like I don't need to do anything in the sport more than I've done already, like coaching or athlete wise. Like I'm very content with where I am. I'm I'm here for you guys, like to make yeah, your life, you know, and I'm going to fuck up sometimes, you know, I'm going to say something that's going to be, you know, you're going to piss you off. Like talk to me about it. And I'll apologize not just to you. I'll apologize for the whole team. Like, mm-hmm. cause I'm not perfect. Just like you guys aren't perfect uh, as officials and as kids, the kid, they're, they're kids too. 
You know, that kid that said that to you, he's freaking probably hurting way more than anyone else because he just cost his team. And you know what? That's that's one thing I realized is like kids care when it hurts other people. Like what's one thing that hurts? One of the things I always say about too, like uh, that kid. I hope he is. Because I hope he is just for the sake of he doesn't make the mistake again. Yes. Because that's what I and and also I don't kick I don't kick when karma's kicking your ass, I don't need to join in on the fight. Karma's karma kicks your ass enough. I don't need to join in the fight. I don't need one thing about wrestling is I could administer points. It's different with baseball, right? Baseball, I can't take away a run. I can't add a run. I can't do any of that. Um, so it has taught me to be able to talk to people in wrestling. I always uh, people ask me which which sport you like most to officiate. I didn't realize that there was a difference like that between officiating in baseball and wrestling. But oh I yeah, man, dude, point. Yeah, I got to kick you out. There you, is... can kick a, you can kick a coach out, but it doesn't it's not going to cost a team point. You kick me out of the team, a match, it's going to cost points. It doesn't right. cost them a run. Right. Not, and that's just dealing with coaches, not to mention the parents, how wrestling, you're more separated by barrier of knowledge of the sport and plus the dynamics of the sport where baseball, it's all fucking year. Have you ever been in a dynamic? Like, like so my wife... Uh, she grew up in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Her father, her grandfather was the athletic director there. And they have a amazing tradition of wrestling uh, and sports in that town. Like they had a place called the pit. There was police officers on the four corners. Like yeah, they sell season tickets. And this is a place that's literally an hour away from Tottenville. Like they're always a top 10 team in Jersey. And you as spectators, like you couldn't even go and see it. They had like a room for you with like a TV and like everyone there knew wrestling. And what they they what we do to our official like our official thing the pressure there is amazing like it's like any official no one would ever want to official that match you know I've like, never um I've never dealt with that wrestling but I've dealt with my share of shit from baseball I think consistency in officiating is important regardless like I if you're gonna call something wrong call it wrong the whole damn time no see. That's where we disagree, and and here's a, here's why. Yeah, I'm not talking your strike strike zone. If I think your strike zone, oh is wrong. no no no, I, I I know I didn't know you was being specific by strike zone, but no, here's my philosophy, and you're gonna love it. You're gonna fucking love it because depending on the level, let, let's let's eliminate kids. I'm talking travel teams, high school varsity level. Uh-huh. Let's say varsity level up. If I fucked up and that was a good pitch, I'm gonna tell the catcher. On an inconsequential strike or or pitch, if the pitch wasn't ball four, if the pitch wasn't strike three or should have been strike three, I'm going to keep my mouth quiet. And I'm going to try to just reassess the game on my own internally. But if it was somewhere I can wiggle my, um, you know, kid was 3 and it was ball. It was ball. I'll, tell the, I'll tell the catcher, hey, tell him to throw it again. I'll make sure he throws that. And I'll go to the other coach if there's if, if I feel like the need to. I'll tell him that pitch. I should have called that pitch. I didn't call that pitch, but I need that pitch. I need that pitch. If it's that good, if it's borderline, something like that, I, I have to respect the the dynamics of being wrong. But otherwise, I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna tell the catcher. I'm gonna tell that pitcher. Hey, I fucked up. I'm not gonna say I fucked up, but I'm like, throw it again. I'll make sure I call but it. What right. I was referencing was I didn't want you to change your strike zone because of fans. Pounding you like oh, oh, oh well, yeah well never never and that's and what the, that's why I meant consistency wise yeah yeah, like, yeah. Hey, if the strike is a strike now oh, it's God, strike God. the whole yeah, damn yeah, game yeah 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 you know and if a stalling is called now it's stalling is the whole damn match 
Like, don't call stalling in the first match and not call stalling in well, the second. The, and I, let's go back to transition wrestling, and we'll, we'll wrap this up soon. We have a lot to talk about, man. I didn't realize we'll we got we got to do part two. We got to do yeah. part two, but um, and we'll do part two with um with maybe some of your your superstars and former wrestlers. We'll get them on, but um, we'll wrap it up with this and, and just talk about like the influence of calls. One thing, one of the things um in baseball I always say is like I never I'm never influenced by a call. Um, some coaches will be like, "You only said that because that, the other coach said that." And I look at the coach and I'm like, "What do you want him to say? The call that's going to go against him, number one. Secondly." When it comes to wrestling, the judgment, like you said, with stall, that is something that we're lacking as wrestling wrestling officials. You don't have uh, a saying I like to have, balls in your calls. I should be coaching my wrestler, and that's what I realized. And someone did it. I, I did it to somebody at uh, Staten Island Duels, and they, pre- they, they, they like verbally warned me. I don't know if it was like an official warning, but they're like, and they were absolutely right. I think it was Amandola. He was like, "That's enough, coach." Like, and I wasn't coaching my kid. I was, I was hounding him. You know what I mean? Now, oh, if I'm oh. my kid, if I'm telling, if I'm coaching my kid, don't tell me what to say to a kid. Let me tell you, an official, uh, a referee is. If the referee sees a kid doing what the freaking coach in the corner is, is telling him to do, they never call stalling. They, it just won't happen. Yeah. It, it, if, if they're doing what their coach, their coach might be dumb and telling them to do something dumb. Well, but you know, to, like, my point, like my point, listen to their coach and they hear that he's listening. Like that's just human nature. Like the kid's doing what his coach is telling them to do. Like, well, and, doing and the coach question, is saying, run away, turn around. <laughs> my pre-match, my pre-match speech, I end with, uh, if you're, st- if you're neutral, your job is to take the kid down. If you took the kid down, your job is to pin him. If you're, if you got taken down, your job is to get up or reverse. If you're not doing any of that, I go, what are you doing? They go stalling. And in the match, you know, I do tells. This is beyond the rule stuff. There's nothing in the rules to tell you these things. These are things that I've learned in the full spectrum of being a part of it, being a part of good referees, just like you've learned how to be a good coach. And I'm going to end it with this. Refereeing has made me a better person. How coaching has made you a better person, a better overall, you know, husband, father, whatever the fuck you are in life to people. And for me... When um to have the patience to make my calls, one thing I tell any official, tell the call to yourself. You see the call, if it's a takedown, tell it in your head first. Don't be two takedown. You should be two take oh, that's a two. And then two, two. Same thing with a strike call. When I'm behind the plate, that look like a strike. Strike. I don't just go strike when I think it. It's antithetical to how you are as an athlete. If you think you should take the move, especially in wrestling. You got to strike. You got to strike. You need to chain your moves together, but you got to you got to make a move. With, with officiating, you know, it, it's calmed me down. It's made me make decisions to where I repeat the choice to myself. It's like, okay, here's here's the options, and instead of thinking on the fly, acting on the fly. So the coach, Tomville, the success. How is John C. Schoen gonna capture all this? And again. We have so much to talk about. We'll talk more. We're gonna beat yeah. Michael Grippo's we'll record, about, by the way. Like, Go I, ahead. You know, I used to think that wrestling was about like coaching wrestling was about hey, what I knew and like what I did and how I was in every practice. It's really about it's about coaching the individual. It's about it's about coaching the kids, showing them love. And that's what I never realized. And that's what Michael Blythe from Patrice taught me. Uh, like he was my mentor. Like I wrestled division one for four years and was a starter. And I learned more from that man than I ever learned in the Division One wrestling room. 
And some people, I remember Dennis Bermudez, who was a longtime fighter in the UFC. He's like, how could you, how could you like be an assistant coach under a person that doesn't like even like coach wrestling, like plays like, like, you know, touch football and like runs with the kids for like an hour and a half. I was like, I don't know. How can you not? There's something about this man that I, I, I couldn't put my finger on. And then I went to the Olympic training center, Lake Placid, and they talked about the next level coaching. And then the next level coaching, they talked about love, showing love to these kids and then and them showing love back and, and not being afraid to show love as a man, especially mm-hmm. in our sport, mm-hmm. uh, and showing compassion and showing emotion. Those are all good things to show, showing that you care. And all I know is this, like those guys that are now like 30 years old, the first thing they ask every time they see me is, how's Mr. Blythe? Nice. They ask about him. They hated him. Do you know what I mean? Like a passion, like this old kook, like what's he doing? Like, and I remember myself even thinking the same thing, like, oh man, like it must be embarrassing to like, you know, like I I, I can imagine what his son had to deal with. And, and now like my complete thought processes was like, holy shit, I was so young, dumb and immature that this is like what we aspire to be. This is what all these kids, even the ones that hated them, all they do is they, they would ask us how Mr. Blythe. Mm. So I, I try to, I try to like live and coach the way like he taught me, like in the way like show love, you know, which is what like the next level coaching, uh, which is what they talked about at the Silver Coaches Seminar, the USA Wrestling that I went to. And he exemplified that. Uh, he cared about the person. He didn't care about the sport, like the sport of wrestling necessarily, but he coached them to be better people in life and be better men. Absolutely. And that's kind of like my goal at Tottenville. Uh, and in life is to, you know, make these kids the best that they can be and to realize that they are great the way they are. And wrestling is not the end all be all that doesn't make you or break you as a man, like what you accomplish, like the way you hold yourself and what you do every day is what really matters when it comes down to it. Yeah. And wrestling can be an enhancer. And oh, incredible enhancer and a confidence. And, and even though we are different brushes to the painting, you being a coach and me being a referee, the beauty of wrestling is we're all part of the same painting, no matter what. And and that's what I respect. To and that's what's unique about our sport is like, it's like no other sport where it's like, we all have like the community that's there. Like whether it be talking to an official or talking to other coaches, coaches from football and other sports, they hate each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like some, yeah, there's a some, group. Of my, some of my oh, best friends. We could are, get into, we could definitely like yeah. listen to the Michael Grippo said it was, it's rare for, for that communication to happen, that's what I want to change. And uh, you know, and then what's what's great too is like you know, like my doors are always welcome to any kid in the city. You know, like I had kids that uh, from Long Island City that came yesterday. That's wrestling in college right now with a senior. They came down to our practice. Like our doors are always going to be welcome to open to everyone. You know, like other other sports, other other places. I feel like, like especially outside the section, they don't open their doors. New York City has a unique culture, which I has been established through, I believe, Beat the Streets and all of our kids, like, working together. Like, pretty much any one of our kids can go into any one of the rooms that are working all, all season, and they'll be welcomed. Yeah. Well, that's the martial of wrestling. You can make the team. Anybody can make the team. You don't have to represent, but you make the team. And um... and I don't have cuts, by the way. Yeah. Well, of course, most of you don't have cuts. Because well, I have too many kids, but I refuse but, to. I don't yeah. want to lose anybody. But anyway, John, this was amazing. We both have to... Truth be told, get up super early. I got I'm so happy you. Five forty-five. I'm so happy you 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 came on. We're gonna do this again. 
Yeah, I want to continue because we've got so much more to talk about. We've got so much to talk about. about. No, we didn't get to the meat of it. um, We'll we'll, we'll do a part two, and I appreciate this. Have a good night. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. Boom.